to Brother John, and uh, we're so glad to have him. I got introduced to him through Brother John Rhodes a few years ago. You've been at Brother Rhodes' 19 revivals or 20 or something, a lot. And uh, Brother Rhodes, I know I knew that anyone that was recommended by John Rhodes had to be on the level because I have respect for, for Brother Rhodes. And um, Brother John, we got acquainted and got together, and he's been with us. This is the third time and uh, has blessed us every time that he's been here. And I'm looking forward to that today. So open up your hearts today. Open up your ears. What did Jesus say to the church? He that has an ear to hear, that's rhetorical. Do you have an ear? Of course, yes. Um, let him hear. If you got an ear, open it up and hear what the Spirit of God says through our evangelists and through the Word of God to his church today, okay? I want you to give a good, abundant life family church. Welcome to Evangelist John Richardson. Bless you, my brother. Take your liberty. Amen. I think so. Let's give yes. the Lord a hand clap of praise. Yes. Yeah, you're on. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise and a shout of triumph. Aren't we blessed today to be in the house of God? There's a lot of churches in America that aren't being allowed by their state to even have church. There's a lot of churches in America that are having church that only allow 20% of the people to come at a single time. Aren't you thankful tonight that you're, or this morning, that you're in the house of God, surrounded by fellow believers, forsake not to gather together saints as some do, even all the more as you see that day coming. Aren't you glad there is a refuge? Aren't you glad there is a place to hear from God? Someone give the Lord a hand clap of praise and a shout of triumph. Now, this morning may be a little herky-joiky compared to how I would normally preach, but I have to explain something to you. I have been very, very fortunate to be a full-time evangelist for 40 years, missionary evangelist. I've been honored to travel the world preaching the gospel in India, Africa, all over Africa, all over the United States. I'm not taking any credit. I'm giving God all the glory. When God saved me, I couldn't read. I couldn't write. I'd been a drug addict and alcoholic for 12 years. I'd spent six years of my life incarcerated. By the time I was 25 years old, I didn't do any of this. God done all of this. And if God can work through me, God can work through anybody. But I want to share something with you that's so very important. This morning's message, God had me write it on December the 4th, 2019. Now, because I'm a traveling evangelist, the one time of the year my family knows I'm going to be home, because I'm a traveling missionary, the one time of the year my family knows that I'm going to be there is at Christmas time. So what I do during Christmas time, I have my devotional time, my prayer time, of course, I'm going to do that every day. How many are glad you get to spend time with God every single day? And I'm going to tell you something else. Aren't you glad that you're in a spirit-filled, spirit-thrilled church this morning? The, 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 this is not happening everywhere. 
And I know that you appreciate the presence of the Holy Ghost that you enjoy here. And aren't you thankful for a pastor and a first lady that celebrate the presence of the Holy Ghost? They want the move of God in here. But back in December, God spoke to me to write a message for this first service. On December the 4th, I, I, I won't forget it because normally I just give myself totally to my family during that time other than my private devotional time. So this is a very important message. I did not understand at the time just how prophetic it was. I don't consider myself a prophet. I'm an evangelist. That's what God called me to be. But God gave me a prophetic message because at the time that I wrote this, this, this virus that the world is dealing with that's got much of the world on its ear was just a small byline in most newspapers. There was very little knowledge about it or the severity of it, and people really didn't know what to think about it, and they certainly didn't think it was going to develop into what it's developed into. So back in December, if it was mentioned at all, it was just mentioned in passing of Mike could happen, and no one understood the severity of it. Let me tell you what I've learned over 40 years as an evangelist. Everywhere God sent me, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, be it physical, be it spiritual, or if I'm in a serious, dangerous place somewhere in Africa or India, always find out that greater is he that's in you than he that is in this world. And let's give God praise this morning because he's the answer. He's the answer for this pandemic. He's the cure. His blood, his stripes is the cure for this. Aren't you glad this morning that you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus? And I'm going to say something. I don't usually do this, but I, this, being our, this isn't our first date. This is our third revival together, and you know me, and I know you. And I'm going to tell you something. Aren't you glad this morning that you live under an open heaven. Aren't you glad this morning that there's nothing holding back God from pouring out blessing upon you that you have not room enough to contain it all? Because when you were receiving the offering, y'all know I don't talk about money when I preach, uh, but as you were receiving the offering, God reminded me for a church this size, I've, been, I've had the privilege of preaching over 10,000 times over these past 40 years. You are one of the most giving, generous churches for this size of any that I've ever preached in and that tells me something about you it tells me that you love God and that tells me you love the kingdom of God and the work of God but because you have been obedient in your giving the Bible says see if he will not open up the windows of heaven and prop blessings upon you that you have not room enough to receive it all how many are ready to be so blessed this week that you don't have room enough to receive it all then that's because in part of your giving now, you've already received the offering, but I want you to know that. And, but also, you were giving in your praise and worship, and the Holy Ghost filled this house and has filled this house. Worship is giving, a sacrifice of praise when we give of ourselves in personal worship unto God. And aren't you blessed as you praise and magnify the Lord? Somebody shout hallelujah. But I want to say something to you, saints of God. I know that I know that one, you dwell under an open heaven. One, I know that you're a blessed people. One, I know that you love the word of God. And because you love the word of God, 
His word will not return void, but it will always accomplish in you what God sent it to do. So saints of God, God, I want you to know that this is not just an ordinary message and no message that's from the word of God is ordinary. It's always extraordinary. Just if you just read the word of God, it is powerful and is life changing. How many have learned that? So saints of God, but when God sits you down back in December and says, I want you to write this message for the first service. When you go back to Farmington, there's something going on in this message. I didn't realize it then, but I sure enough realize it now. How many are familiar with the story of David and Saul? It is one of the most unusual stories in the Bible. It teaches us a lot about the terrible results of jealousy and envy. It teaches us that the most important thing when God calls you in the leadership of any kind is obedience. Saul ended up in trouble with God because he just had trouble obeying him. If he would just do what God told him to do, he would have never ended up in the pickle that he was in in the first place. And then we see God anoint a shepherd boy to be the king over Israel. Then we see the conflict that takes place from there in the next few years of David's life. He's a hunted man. He he's he's a refugee, if you will, and 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 and, and there's a there's a, a and the armies of Israel are hunting him because Saul wants him dead. He he feels like and for some reason Saul he was so spiritually confused and messed up in his spiritual thinking. He thought if I could just kill the man, I could kill God's plan. You can't kill God's plan. Plan. You can't stop God's plan. If he had killed David, if David was the man God was going to use to do what God said he was going to do, he'd have rose him from the dead. You can't kill God's plan. So we know all the story and all the terrible stuff that happened in there. But I want to talk a little bit this morning, and our worship leader, a lot of the songs had to do with well, spiritual warfare, and I thought that was rather interesting, considering that this message deals with spiritual warfare. But I want to share with you what we have the story of Saul. God has rejected Saul as the king of Israel. Now, there are several reasons why God rejected Saul as the king of Israel. The final straw, however, that broke the camel's back. Over and over again, God would tell Saul to do something, and then Saul wouldn't do it. But the final straw that broke the camel's back is God told Saul to whack somebody, and he didn't whack them. Now I'm from Chicago, so I I I don't I, I don't talk Farmington and and and, and y'all don't talk Chicagoan, but but you know what whacking is, and and he 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 didn't whack the guy that God told him to whack, and sometimes when you read and you, and if you notice something, there's a lot more killing of their enemies in the Old Testament than the New Testament, and the reason why that is is salvation was not available in the Old Testament. Uh, for a person to become a believer, they had to convert to Judaism. People couldn't be born again. So God often had them kill their enemies because they were not going to be redeemed and they were going to be an enemy for the rest of their life. They would endanger them, their wives, their children. So God in his mercy would show them the ones that weren't going to, to change or at least leave them alone and instruct them to take them out so they wouldn't cause further problems in the future. But we have a situation here where Saul has defeated this army and God told him specifically to kill this man and his entire family. But he doesn't do it 
And when God deals with him, he tries to talk to God like God made the mistake. You know, but notice, God, we got all these critters over here for sacrifice. And notice, all, you know, he tried to make it spiritual, his disobedience. Never, you know where I'm going. But anyway, after all this is said and done, the prophet comes sadly. Samuel mourned over Saul to the point that God had to rebuke the prophet and said, quit mourning over Saul. I've done rejecting him as king. You get about the business and go find Jesse's boy and anoint him king because he'll please me. He'll be a man after my own heart. So Saul was mourning over this, or Samuel was, and, 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 and then so God rejected Saul as king, and then during this process, because he didn't kill the man that God told him to kill, and, and, and I know in, in our minds today, especially because we're New Testament Christians. It seems a little harsh and a little rash for God to order the, the killing of an entire nation, a killing of a king, but the, that one on a lot in the Old Testament because as I said before, they, most of these people were unredeemable because of what the situation was then. I won't go into all of it, but, but, but because God told him to kill this man and he didn't do it, God rejected him as king. And you may say to yourself, well, Brother John, wasn't that a harsh judgment? And in fact, God says, you're going to die. And not only, not only are you going to die, your sons are going to die. They're all going to get killed in battle. Now, we're, I'm going to get to something here that shows you the spiritual mindset of Saul. Saul, I don't know about y'all, but if I ever done something so bad that God said to me, I, I've, I've got to kill you. I got to kill you before you do any more damage to the kingdom. And, and, and by the way, I'm going to take out your kids too. I don't know about y'all. Even if I knew that I had to die for what I did. And fortunately, thank God, Jesus died for what we did. So we're, uh, but, but, but if, if I was in that situation, don't you think any normal man or woman would at least plead with God for the salvation of their children? Don't you think any normal person would say, okay, God, I set my punishment. I deserve what I'm going to get, but please spare my sons. Please, God, give them a chance to do what I didn't do. But he don't even make intercession for his sons. What does he do? He goes to a witch, and he tries to bypass God by using the vehicle of the devil when we all know that the devil trembles at the name of Jesus, and he, but, but he is so in a state of rebellion and he is so spiritually dead that when God speaks in this death sentence, instead of pleading for the lives of his sons, he goes and tries to do an in around, around God's will and, and, and instead of pleading for the welfare of his sons. I really believe we serve a God of mercy. Who knows? I don't know, but who knows what would have happened if Saul would have dropped to his face and said, oh God, I am so sorry for what I've done. We see in this throughout this word that God is a God of mercy and God's a God of forgiveness and he's in the forgiveness business. Who knows if God would have spared Saul's sons if he would have pleaded with them and sought his face earnestly and broke in the presence of God. How many of you have ever had God show you mercy when you've done something wrong? How many were surprised at the mercy God showed you? God is a God of mercy, but he doesn't even seek him about this situation, about his son's life. And why was God so harsh 
in, in, a, in a sense, gave Saul a death penalty for disobeying him about killing this man. Because out of the lineage of this man would be a man born by the name of Haman. And Haman got, got to the place in his power and authority that he was about to take out all the Jews. And if all the Jews had been killed, there wouldn't have been a tribe of Judah. And without a tribe of Judah, there wouldn't have been a Jesus. And without Jesus, there wouldn't be you and I saved in this house tonight. Someone shout hallelujah and give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that, for his goodness. Now, so, so God knew that this man, one of his descendants would be Haman. And if you take him out now, Haman will never be born to jeopardize the entire, not part of Israel, but jeopardize the entire nation. And if God had not raised up Mordecai the Jew and Esther, and if they not been obedient and been willing to die for God, Israel would have been destroyed. And, and of course, God wasn't going to allow his plan to be destroyed, but he would have found someone to do it. But if, if, if Saul would have done what he was supposed to do then, Esther would not have had to do what she had to do because Haman would never have been born in the first place. Somebody shout hallelujah. I'm just trying to share with you in the Old Testament, God doesn't go around just whacking people to be whacking people. God doesn't go around saying kill all their generation out. When he gives that order, he knows something. He knows something about their future. He knows something about what their offsprings are going to be like if they get a chance to do what, they were, what, what they're going to want to do. So whenever that was done in the Old Testament, you can be sure that God was acting in mercy to spare his people. He was acting in mercy to spare this world. He was acting in mercy because he knew... That people would be so evil and so wicked that they would cause such horrible harm so he would give that order and God is he doesn't you know God just expects us to obey him now now please listen to me God's not going to tell anybody to go out and kill somebody today so if you're a sinner saying, ha, I, I had it in with my wife this morning no 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 God's not telling anybody to go kill him I'm just trying to explain the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament when sometimes it seems like God was just a tad bit harsh. But God sees the end before the beginning. And he knows the danger. So when he gave that order, we see the result later in the Bible of what happened because Saul didn't do what God told him to do. Someone shout hallelujah. So Saul's been rejected and David has been made the king over Israel. Over the next couple of years, Saul hunts David constantly day and night David's got to sleep with one eye open he's always hiding out in the valley of Judah I guess that's where he wrote most of the songs because he was living in the valley of praise he, he how many of you have ever lived in the how many of you were ever in the military or in a dangerous situation where you're constantly looking over your shoulder that's a horrible place to live in on some of the mission trips I've gone on that's how the situation is you've got to always be watching out for different types of dangers so what I'm trying to say this is the where we're at right now where I'm about to go with this message Saul's been hunting uh, David he wants King David dead but you know you can't kill God's promise somebody shout hallelujah so let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 27 verse 1 and pick up our story this morning now remember God spoke to me back in December of 2019 to tell all of you out here and as many as you can get to everybody wave at me 
try to get as many as you can in this revival because this revival is about recovering all. How many of you would like to recover all? Everything the devil's ever taken from you, everything this pandemic has taken from you, how many of you would like to see America recover all? How many would like to see the world recover? How many know that Jesus is the answer? See, so, so God is speaking to us, and I'm telling you, even though this pandemic has happened, we can recover all. And as a nation, God's going to raise up the church to teach the people of this nation how to recover all by serving Jesus Christ. Now, the people that are dead, hopefully most of them went to heaven. We can't do anything about the ones that are dead, but we can do a lot about the ones that are still alive. And God gave me this message that without fail, someone say without fail, someone shout without fail, without fail, I will recover all. Oh, somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Now, this is amazing to me, Pastor, because God gave me this message before any of us knew anything about this pandemic, about the horrible losses the world was going to have financially in every single way imaginable. So when God gave me this message about, I want you in 2009 to 2020, when I direct you to do so, I want you to preach this message, and I want you to preach the first time in Farmington. There was something prophetic about it. There's something prophetic about this church that God could use this church to help turn this nation back to God. How many want God to do that through you? In 1 Samuel chapter 27, verse number one. And David said in his heart, even heroes have bad days. And you might be sitting here today and saying, you know, Brother John, I would love to get that victory and love to get that breakthrough. I, I, I know I'm more than a conqueror. I know the weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to, to pulling down the strongholds. I know that God has made us more than a conqueror, but I, I, I made some mistakes in my past. And maybe I can't get some of that stuff back. Maybe I can't recover that because I made some mistakes in my past. Well, David's making a huge mistake here. This is the hero of our story. Verse 20, chapter 27, verse 1. And David said in his heart, I shall, now, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. Do you see what the man of God is saying there? He said, I'm a dead dog. I'm dead. And I, I, don't, I don't know when it's going to happen. But I know I'm going to perish one day, and I know who's going to kill me. It's going to be Saul. So even the best Christians, even the man after God's own heart, David's one of the greatest men in the Bible. Now, he's not as important as Jesus, but his name is mentioned more in the Bible than Jesus' name is. So we know he's a very important person in the Bible, and he's having a bad moment. And in this moment of fear, in this moment of, of darkness, this moment of warfare, he says, David said in his heart, it's not always what comes out of here. It's what's in here. And that, see, that, that's why I'm so excited about this revival because I saw how you were worshiping. I saw how you were praising. And praising employs my mouth and it employs my hand. But it comes from my heart or it's not praise and worship. Someone shout hallelujah. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There are a lot of people in America that are saying right now, I'm going to perish because of COVID-19. I'm going to perish because of this pandemic. 
I, I'm going to go bankrupt. I'm, I'm never going to get my funding. There are marriages breaking up all over the country because of the stress level, because of what this pandemic has caused. Because if you don't have God, if you don't know Jesus, you can't deal with this. Do you understand? If you don't know Jesus, we are so blessed that we know the Prince of Peace. And David, and David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. Remember, God had me practice in December and to preach it the first time here. And then the rest of the year, I don't know how many times they had me preach it before we knew anything about this pandemic. He said, there is nothing better for me that I should speedily escape in the land of the Philistines. Now, listen to this. I know I'm going to die. I know who's going to kill me. Saul. So there's nothing better for me than go and live out the light remaining of my days in the land of the Philistines. Now, saints of God, of all the places David could have chose to go, this is the most unlikely, and I don't want to use the word stupid, but it, this is not the most intelligent choice he ever made in his life because why in the world would David take refuge in the land of the Philistines when he killed their champion Goliath? He's the, they're, they're, they're his mortal enemies. But David gets so discouraged that he feels safer in the land of his enemies than he does in the presence of God's people. Let me tell you something, saints of God. No matter what's going on in your life, the answer's in the house of God. Let me tell you there's safety in the house of God. Let me tell you there's protection in the house of God. Don't let the devil ever discourage you. Don't let the devil ever make you afraid to get to the house of God and get around God's people. We need one another other saints and David said in his heart I shall now perish he's making a declaration he's testifying like that wonderful man testified about his wonderful marriage but, it, but it's a bad testimony I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul in fact things are so bad there's nothing better for me than that I, that I should speedily escape into, into, into the land of the Philistines I, I got to hurry and go hang out with my mortal enemies that every one of them want me dead. And one man has him so afraid that he's willing to go live in the camp of his enemies to avoid any more conflict with this one man. The enemy will sometimes raise up a person in your life to distract you. And make you afraid that I can't be with God. I can't do with God because of this person. Sometimes a pandemic may rise up and people begin to get afraid and forget the promises of God, which you have not. I'm not going to perish by COVID-19. You're not going to perish from COVID-19. And if we have revival in America, it's going to stop in America because God is the answer. Jesus still saves. He still delivers and he still heals. And he says, I should speedily escape in the land of the Philistines and Saul shall despair of me and seek me anymore in any coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. Now, you, you can take that down. But David says, I'm going to go to the land of the Philistines and he's going to take up refuge with his enemies and Saul's going to stop looking for me. Now, the truth is, the Bible tells us that Saul did stop pursuing him. But that didn't make David's decision right. Let me tell you something, friend. Every time, many times, many, many, very few people, how many of you have ever known someone who backslid on the Lord? 
How many of you ever known someone backslidden in the Lord and you say, why have you backslidden? Why have you quit coming to church? And their answer was, well, God was so good to me and God blessed me so much. I just quit going to church and backslid because God was just too good to me and I just couldn't take any more blessing. No, they got discouraged. They got afraid. Somewhere in their faith got shaken and, and to the point that they quit and their flesh took over. You know what I'm trying to say. So, 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 so David goes to the land of the Philistines and he takes up refuge there in the land of his enemies, and, and, and it's the, one of the biggest mistakes that a man could have possibly ever made. And while he's there, he manages to put together a small army of about 600 men. And, and, and in a sense, they're, they're an army of mercenaries. Can you put verse 27, verse 1 back up? And, and, and he says, there is nothing better for me but to speedily escape in the land of Philistines, that Saul will despair me no more. And, and so shall I escape out of this land. And so we know that Saul didn't follow him into the land of the Philistines, not because this was a good decision, but Saul, perhaps Saul thought in his heart, well, if David stays long enough in the land of the Philistines, I won't have to kill him. They will. Maybe he thought in his heart, because Saul's problem with David was jealousy. Maybe he thought in his heart, well, the people will never serve him, will never be faithful to him, will never set them as king because now he's hanging out with our mortal enemies. His, his name was Mud. David's name was Mud because now he's living in the land of the Philistines. So maybe whatever Saul's cardinal reason was for not pursuing David, he, in his mind, he thought this decision done took care of the problem. But you see, we serve a God of mercy. And we serve a God of a second chance. And even if you've made a mistake in your past, that doesn't nullify your future. Someone shout hallelujah. God is the author and the finisher of your faith. He saw that hiccup in the road, and your future's still great. Your future's still the same as it was before when God called you. Now, let's drop down to chapter 30, verse number 1. So we know where David's at. And he's, while he's there, he puts together this small army and, and, and they do some uh, warfare on the behalf of the Philistines. Now, they're not fighting against Israel. They're not fighting against Judah, although he almost made that mistake. But they do a lot of fighting on behalf of the Philistines. And, of course, because David was anointed, an anointed king, an anointed warrior, they were victorious over and over again. And some of the leaders of the Philistines liked having David around because every time his boys went to war, they won. You couldn't find better mercenaries. And David's mercenaries, his army of 600, they were being paid. And what they were being paid were the spoils of the cities that they defeated when they defeated a fort, all the gold, all the silver. So they were literally paid mercenaries. I'm, I'm trying to lay this out. But notice in chapter 30, verse 1, of Second Samuel, or First Samuel, First Samuel, and it came to pass when David and his men came, were come to Ziglag on the third day, they went off to go to fight in a battle, and some of the Philistine leaders got together because Saul happened to be at this battle site with his son, and so now we we know that David's been a good warrior, 
And we know the, the guy that, that David fights for and done a lot of things for steps up for David and says, hey, he's never let me down. He's been faithful. He's been a good soldier. We can trust him. But the other Philistine leaders got together and said, well, what if the battle starts and David and Saul meet up in the battlefield and they make up and then we're not just going to have to fight Saul. We're going to have to fight David and his army. And we know how bad these boys, they were the the Navy SEALs of their day. They were the Green Beret of their day. So it came to pass that when David and his men were come to Ziglag, Saul's out there, they're about to do battle. On the third day, the Amalekites invaded in the south, and Ziglag was smitten, and Ziglag was smitten, and smitten Ziglag, and burned it with fire. So David and his men, they go to this battle. They get there. When they get there, the leaders get together and say, we don't want you here. Take your mercenaries and go home. And the reason was they were afraid that Saul and David would get back together. So they go. David takes his men to a battle to fight and, and to, to be rewarded for doing so. When they get there, they said, we don't want you here. Just go back to your own city. So the men are already upset with them because they traveled three days to get there. Now notice verse number two. And, he had taken the, and they had taken the women captive and there, and there that, 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 that were therein and slew not any either great or small. We've already seen a great miracle. Because in Bible days, when a city was conquered like this, they killed all the elderly. They killed everybody that couldn't be used as a slave. They, I'm not being vulgar, but they brutalized the women. But in this case, not one woman's head was touched. Not one person was killed. God moved on these godless people and was telling them, you can take the city, but don't you touch the children and don't you touch their women. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap. He can protect your family, saints. He will protect your family. And they had taken the women captive and they were, that, that were therein and slew not any, either great nor small. They didn't kill one woman. They didn't kill one child, not one elderly person. But they carried them away, and they went on their way. Now, notice verse number three. That's already a miracle because it's common practice to kill everyone that's not valuable. If they can't be sold as a slave or employed as a slave, if there are no value to our country, kill them. Why why just, you know, take all these people and the expense and the trouble of it? So we've already seen a great miracle. And these are wicked people. They didn't spare the women and children because they were good people. They normally would have killed the women and children. But because God was, David was God's man, and those were the people that David was taking care of, God spared them for David's sake and for our sake this morning to see how God is going to make a way without fail. Are you hearing me, saints? Without fail, we're going to recover all. We're going to recover all. God's greater than this pandemic. God's greater than what we're going through. God's greater than the financial crisis. God's greater than everything we're dealing with right now. Without fail, he's greater than the unrest in the streets. In two weeks, I'm going to be preaching in downtown St. Louis for an entire week at the, at the, the, the oh, I can't remember the name of the place, but I'm going to be preaching for the whole week in downtown St. Louis, and without fail, we shall recover all. There's going to be a revival breakout at Hyde Park. I think that's what they call it. And he said, so David and his men came into the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters were taken captive. 
Now, I want you to understand this. These are mercenaries. These are the baddest of the bad. And guys, I, 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 I'm just talking from experience. When I've traveled to Africa, I've been to 11 different countries in Africa. I've been on planes with, with mercenaries. And you can tell by looking at them that they're mercenaries. And to tell you the truth, when we go on the mission trip, the guy I go a lot with, when we go on our mission trips, we let our hair grow out a little bit and look a little grungy and, and try to look a little bit like a mercenary ourselves so people will leave us alone I'm just, until we get to the place where we're going to work. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. So everything they own is burned. Any livestock they have has been, been taken. There is no more money in the bank. There's no more silver. There's no more gold in the house. And to make matters worse, all the children are gone and their wives are gone. Now, they don't know if they're alive. They don't know if they're dead. All they know is they've lost everything. Saints of God, this pandemic's been tough. But I am so encouraged by the faith in this house because there is no fear of it in this house. I'm telling you, it's been tough. But I'm telling you, God's saying to America, if we'll turn to God, if this nation will turn to God without fail, I said without fail, without fail, we will recover all. God is the cure for COVID-19. The blood of Jesus is the cure for COVID-19. The stripes of Jesus is the cure for COVID-19. Let me tell you something. Without fail, we shall recover all. Now, notice voice number four. You guys are wonderful. I know it's hoiky-joiky. So David and the people that were with him lifted up their voices and wept. Now, guys, this would be like Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, all these guys that, that play these tough guys in the movies. Of course, they're pretend, but there are, are real guys that are that bad. Imagine 600 men that are professional killers. They're professional warriors. They've seen just about every kind of suffering and death that you could imagine. And they're weeping. And they're not just crying, saints. And David and the people that were with him, David too, lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. I hope nobody in this room can say the answer is yes. But how many of you have ever gone through a time where you were hurting so bad that you cried and you wept until your tear ducts were dry and you cried and you wept till you couldn't cry anymore? The Bible is, is, is not being evangelistically speaking here. These men wept until they couldn't cry anymore, till there were no tears left. And these are the toughest, baddest guys on the planet Earth, but they're so tore up right now. They have cried till there's no tears left to cry. They can't cry. They don't have the strength to cry anymore. How many of you have ever dropped to your knees and just wept in the presence of God during a circumstance in your life till there was no more strength left in your body? How many found out that Jesus was still on the other side and victory came? Sorrow may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. Somebody shout hallelujah. I'm telling you, there's a cure for COVID-19 and it already exists. And that cure is the stripes of Jesus Christ. 
Now, he may put an idea in some scientist's head and he'll come up with a vaccine or a treatment. Praise the Lord. All good and perfect gifts come from, from above. Medicine is good. Healing is perfect. But the cure for COVID-19 already exists. It's the stripes of Jesus Christ that by his stripes we were and are healed. That's for all diseases. Notice verse number five. You're being wonderful. And David's two wives were taken captive also. So David is mourning over his two wives. He's not immune from this situation. His men are mourning over their wives and family. All of them, all of them, their houses have burned to the ground. All of them, all their livestock is gone. All of them, everything they own is gone. Plus their wives and children are gone and they don't even know if they're alive anymore. They don't even know if they'll ever see him again. They don't know if they're already dead. So let's go on and see what is in verse number six. And David was greatly distressed. So now David and his men have come. One, they've been rejected at battle. We don't need you here. Go, go home to your city. They come home. They see that their entire city has been burned to the ground. Everyone has lost everything. Their wives and children, they don't even know if they're alive. Now David's even more greatly distressed than everyone else. Because David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. Saints of God, all of us will go through times in our lives at some time or another where the road's going to get rocky. If you live long enough, you're going to go through times where there's going to be some hiccups in the road. There'll be problems that'll come up that the, there is no answer but Jesus Christ. And he will make a way where there seemeth to be no way. And there'll be times that you will be so weighted down with it. You will be so distressed that, 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 that you can't even think straight. But now David is facing execution. The men are picking up stones and they're about to kill him. They're blaming him, David, had you not brought us to a battle where we weren't even welcome, we would have been here and our wives and children would not be captive right now or dead. We would have been here. Our city wouldn't. This is your fault, King David. We've lost everything. When you're going through a battle, please listen to me. Don't try to find someone to find fault with. Don't try to find anyone to blame. In the name of Jesus, just bind that devil. Bind that situation and lose supernatural victory in the name of Jesus. Don't go fault finding trying to find a person to blame for your problem. Just start using your authority in Jesus Christ and you'll see victory start coming. Your Someone shout hallelujah. I'm telling you, the cure for covid is, is the blood of Jesus and the stripes of Jesus. Now notice this, and David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. I can submit to you, saints. I've been through some tough times, but I can't see it getting much worse than this. I go to a revival and be like me showing up last night and Brother Hensley saying, we don't want you to go home. And then, then go home, my house is burned down. And Pam and the grandkids are all gone. <laughs> well, the grandkids, no, never mind. <laughs> grandkids are all gone. Everything I own is gone. And now the men that were my, were my allies, the men that were my closest friends, the men that I fought side by side with in battle are fixing to kill me. I don't have a friend left in the world. And David was greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved 
every man for his sons and for his daughter. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Why are we having revival? Because a lot of people in this area don't have what you got. They don't get to go to a church like you got here that is spirit-filled and spirit-thrilled, that has a spirit-filled pastor that hears the word of God preached with no apologies every single week. And they need to hear from God that God's still the answer, that God has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the answer to our problem. For, for the day, but David encouraged himself in the Lord as God. God had me look up this word for, for, for this service this morning and, 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 and we think that David kind of just gave himself a pep talk or David sang his favorite song. But the word encouraged here and this is why a lot of churches aren't getting breakthrough. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I mean believe that God can and will cure COVID-19. How many believe that the blood of Jesus has been pleaded over this? I'm not talking about the disease like it's got victory over us. I'm only talking about it to remind you that greater is he that's in us than COVID-19. I'm talking about it that the stripes of Jesus still heals. But the word encouraged here means to fasten onto. David just didn't seek the Lord, but David got a hold of the Lord. It means to seize violently. It means, to, it means to be strong in the Lord. It means to be courageous. It means to strengthen oneself. It, mean, it means to fortify yourself. It means to bend under God's power. It means to, to, to remember past victories. It means to encourage yourself. It means to cleanse yourself. It means to be established. It means to fasten onto by force if necessary. It means, it means to harden, get prepared for battle. It means to hold fast. It means to lean on. It means to, the, oh, listen to this, saints of God. It means to play the man. Listen, this was written thousands of years ago, and the word encouraged means to play the man. What God's saying to us is man up. Men of God in this house, man up. This nation needs to see men of God that will man up and walk the walk and talk the talk. Somebody give the Lord a shout and a praise. We need to man up. We need to act in courage and be courageous. It, mean, it means to man up. I didn't know that was in the Bible, but it is. It means when you man up to become mighty. It means to prevail. It means to recover. It means to strengthen. It means to be courageous. Once you start seeking God and get a hold of God and refuse to let go and start manning up and womaning up and getting a hold of God and said, we're not letting go, God, till we see a divine move of God that takes care of this situation. Saints of God, I'm telling you, it's time for us to man up. It's time for every man and woman of God in America to woman up and to man up and get a hold of God and say, we're not letting go until there's a move of God from border to border, coast to coast, and this thing is wiped out once and for all. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise and a shout of triumph. If David was facing certain death and it worked for David, it will work for us also. Someone say it's a little hoiky-joiky, but it's a word from the Lord. So when we see that word encourage, it, I don't know how long it took, but it wasn't some brief two-minute thing. 
David got a hold of God, and then God got a hold of David. And once God got a hold of David, the whole situation changed. Someone said, we're having this revival. I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know most of you already know this stuff, but we're surrounded all around us by Christians that are bound by fear. They're paralyzed by fear. They, they, they have heard the report of the world so much, they're believing it over the report of the Lord. And God is raising this church up to be a beacon of hope, to be a light to this community. And we need it. Now notice verse number seven. I don't know how God's gonna finally cure this COVID thing, but I'm gonna tell you something. He's the only one that can. He's the only one that can. And David said to Avatar, the priest, Hamelech's son, I pray. The word pray there means beg. This is so important to David that David is begging one of his servants. I beg thee. Bring me hither the ephod. And Abathar brought hither the ephod to David. Why did he ask for the ephod? Because the ephod had 12 stones on it. And each one of those stones represented a tribe of Judah or a tribe of Israel. And David said, bring me the ephod. Why? Because David remembered while he encouraged himself. Maybe the Lord reminded him while he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. That, hey, David, I called you to be keen over all all of Israel. I called you to be king over the united Israel. You can't die here. They can't kill you with stones. I've anointed you to be king. Someone shout, I know it's a little hicky-joicky, but in the, in the midst of encouraging himself in the Lord is God, God reminded him that to be king and that ephod represents the 12 tribes of Israel and it was telling David said bring me that ephod and I'm going to praise God with that ephod on because God just reminded me of something I'm king I've been anointed to be king I can't die here because my job's not done yet I can't die here because there's victories to be won yet I can't die here because God's going to raise me up to bring Israel back to where they need to be let's read the next voice I know it's hoiky joiky and David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? I know that I'm king of Israel, and I know I'm not going to die. But are my children going to die? Are these women going to die? Uh, I know I did the wrong thing going to the land of the Philistines. It almost cost him the life of his family when you make that kind of mistake. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? And shall I overtake them? I know it's taking a little time, but this is the foundation. The reason why we're having revival, the reason why we're having this awakening is because this whole area needs to be reminded that God is still God. He's still, and he always will be God. God has the answer for this. And David inquired of the Lord saying, so not only are we going to come together this week, to seek the Lord for, for victory and praise him for the past victories and encourage ourselves. We've got to encourage ourselves in the Lord, but we're also going to inquire of him. We're going to, some of us are going to be healed this week because we're going to inquire for our healing. Some of us are going to be delivered this week because we're going to inquire about our Someone's child's going to get saved because we're going to inquire to God for saving of our child. And David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? He knows he's not going to die now. He knows he's going to fulfill his calling, but he doesn't know for sure if he should pursue this troop yet. Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue. 
for thou shalt surely pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them. And without fail, without fail, without fail, without fail, recover all. Somebody shout hallelujah. You got to remember, I'm the least of God's servants. I'm probably the most unqualified man that God ever called. But in December, God spoke to me about this message. And he told me to tell you that if you'll just pursue God, it's not just pursuing the enemy. Yeah, I'm going to pursue the enemy. And I want to take back from the devil everything he's ever taken from me I'm going to pursue the enemy and pray for your healing and pray for your miracle but the most important thing this week is that we pursue God and if we'll pursue God this week if we'll give God the next four nights of our life without fail I said without fail I said without fail without fail listen please this is not preacher talk. You cannot get this back on your own. You cannot do this on your own. Without fail, we shall recover all. God's saying to us, as to start right here in this church right now at Abundant Life, he said, I'm rising you up as a light. It's going to start first locally in this area, and it's going to spread, and other churches are going to start becoming a part of it, but it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and people are going to start pursuing God and start hungering after God and start thirsting after God. And as they do that, without fail, I said without fail, no matter what the devil throws your way, no matter what happens to you, without fail, you shall. I said without fail, you shall. I said without fail, you shall recover all. Now, I know it's hoiky-joiky, and I'm not going to read the other voices, but i got to tell you this. If you read the whole chapter, you're going to find something out. They just go a little bit farther. David goes a little bit farther. He's got 600 soldiers, right? And he's out. He's, you know, we know, we know. They fought for 24 hours straight. The Bible tells us. You read the whole chapter. How many go home for your homework assignment and read chapter 30 of 1 Samuel chapter 30? We know they fought from evening to the next evening for 24 straight hours. Most theologians believe that at least 28,000 people were killed in that battle by the children of Israel and they only had 600 soldiers. That's a pretty good victory, isn't it? To kill 28,000 of the enemy. But it, listen, it gets even better. They go a little bit farther and a couple hundred guys come up to David and say, David, we're just too tired. We're just too discouraged. Our house is burned down. Our stuff's gone. We're seeing a bunch of tracks in the sand, so some of our family's still alive. But I'm just too weak. I can't go on any further. And the Bible says that 200 men, please, I'm the least of God's servants. But I'm a servant of the Most High God. And if we have ever sought God in this nation, we better do it now. If we've ever sought God about the civil unrest, if we've ever sought God about this pandemic and the financial crisis that it's causing, we better do it now, saints of God. But I want to show you that things haven't really changed that much. This is a life and death situation. We can rescue some of our family anyway. We can rescue some of the women, some of the children. We can always rebuild the stuff. 
Stuff's just stuff. What would possess a man? I'm talking to the men, but I'm really talking to the women too. Because with God, there's neither male nor female nor Jew nor Greek nor Gentile. We're all the same at the foot of the cross. There's some mighty warriors in this place that are female. And what would possess a person when their family, their entire family has been taken captive by a bunch of monsters, murderous rapists? What would possess a man to be so tired? I just got to stop. I can't go no further because I'm tired and I'm more slap out. Now, don't, don't get hurt with me now, but I've preached in over a thousand revivals, so I'm talking from experience. And I've been in revivals that after God has showed me over and over again people that could be back every night, and God would point them out to me. So don't be discouraged. They won't be back. They won't be back. They won't be back. They won't be back. But it's not you. They're not hungry for me. He's done it over and over, so he encouraged but I want to ask you a question. Even if a person wasn't hungry for God, what could possess a man when they're alive, their wife and children are in danger of brutality and a horrible, horrible death or a life that would be worse than death to be so tired that they would quit and just stop and rest? Saints of God in revivals over the years, I've seen it. People would come on Sunday morning and Friday night they come back again. But they didn't come all week. Then I'm walking out the back door of the church to go to my car to go to the next revival. And they stop me. Please pray for my children to get saved. Please pray for my body to get healed. Please pray for me to get a job or my husband to get a job. And I'm thinking, you're going, please pray. Listen to me. I've got a child that's a homosexual. I've got a child that's on drugs. I've got a child that's in prison. Will you please pray for my child? And I'm thinking to myself, hey, where were you on Sunday night? Where were you on Monday? Where were you on Tuesday? Where were you on Wednesday? Where were you on Thursday? And over the years, I've gotten bold. I guess as you get older, you get bold. Or you just don't care. And then I just said, why haven't you been here? Well, I was tired. They don't even try to lie about it. No, I'm not telling people to lie. But, you know, come up with it. You know, say something like, well, I mowed the grass, and, I, and then I mowed the back 40. And I painted the living room, and then the toilet broke, and I had to fix it. And then the car broke down. I've been working a lot of overtime, and I was tired. But just to say, well, I haven't been back because I was tired, and I just couldn't get myself to the house of God. Saints of God, God sent me to tell you that without fail, if we will rise up as a church without fail, you'll recover everything the devil's ever taken from you. You'll recover your health. You'll recover your family. How many want to see your family saved? How many want to see revival in Farmington? How many want to see America turned upside right by the power of God? Then without fail, I said without fail, I said without fail, I said 
it without fail. You shall, you shall, you shall recover all. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise and a shout of triumph. This week, God says, you've been inquiring to God about your healing. And God said, pursue me this week. And without fail, you shall recover all. You've been praying about your lost child. Anybody got a lost child? Let me see your hand. Pursue me this week. And without fail, you shall recover all. How many of you desperately need a healing miracle in your body? Raise your hand right now. Pursue me this week, and without fail, you will recover all. How many would like God to just wipe this pandemic off the face of the earth? Without fail, pursue me. Pursue me. All God's looking for. All God's looking for is some men and women that will pursue the Lord. The devil may have people trying to stone you. The devil's trying to kill you. He may have burned down your house. Your kids may be being held captive, but the battle's not over. And the battle's not yours, but the battle is the Lord's. And if you will pursue me this week, I'll fight your battle and I'll give you victory in every single area of your life. Somebody stand to your feet and give the Lord a standing ovation and a hand clap of prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now don't sit down just yet. Just telling you. This week is a matter of life and death for somebody you know. I'm telling you, without fail, you shall recover all. How many want to recover all? I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not playing psychological head games. But expectation is the breeding ground of miracles. And I have learned over the years that God always responds. Always to expectation. When people come expecting, they, they leave with their miracle. So right now, I'm going to ask somebody, a bunch of somebodies, to just raise your, if you believe that if you will just pursue God this week, that without fail, you will recover all. We don't even have to pursue them. God's just saying, you pursue me this week. I'll take care of the enemy. You just pursue me this week. I'll take care of them. And I'm telling you, I'm asking you right now, if you believe that, if you believe God's word on that, I just want you to raise your hand right now across this building, and I'm going to ask you to step out, and then I'm going to ask you to, without hesitation, now nobody run anybody over because you're so excited. Open your eyes when you run up here. But I'm not asking you to walk up here. I'm asking you to run up here. Like you believe that if I can just get, if I will just pursue God this week, just give God the next four nights of my life that without fail, I shall recover all. Right now, just come out of your pew right now. Right, hurry. Don't, don't hesitate. Remember, God told David something. What did he tell him? David asked him, shall I pursue, right? And then God says, pursue. Without fail, you shall recover all. And he did recover all. I want to ask you a question, Brother Hensley. What if, God, what if David would have sought the Lord and said, should I, should I pursue them? Shall I overtake them? And God says, yeah, pursue them and overtake them without failure, you should recover all. What would have happened 
if David hadn't pursued him. This revival isn't about how many people are in the crowd every night. I'm not asking you to do this so the crowd will be big every night. I'm telling you because the Bible's teaching us here that God can say without fail you shall recover all, but you've got to pursue the Lord. You've got to get activated. You, you, you got to become proactive, and then without fail you shall recover all. And saints of God, churches all across America hear this message, but they don't pursue God. But God's saying to us right now, without fail you shall recover all. Just pursue me. Sir, when I, I, I don't know what, 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 what is... When I come towards you to pray, if you want me to pray by laying hands on your head, touch your head. If you want me to pray to lay hands, just touch your shoulder, touch your shoulder. If you want me to elbow you, I'll elbow you. Um, um, I'll, I'll even do that foot thing. If, if um, What I'm saying, I respect your convictions. I respect where you're at right now. And I'll pray for you exactly how you asked me to. So when I get to you, just if you want me to pray for you by laying hands on your head, just touch your head, touch your shoulder, touch your elbow. I don't, I don't want anybody that visits the Sweet Revival to feel uncomfortable about coming because they don't feel like that, you know, we're being safe and everything like that. I know the blood of Jesus is enough. I know his stripes are enough. Woman, without fail, you done touched him. It's done over. Put your hand in the air. Where do you hear? She without fail. 